Okay, welcome to A Vague Knowledge of Everything. Uh, my name is Rosie. My name is Hope. And today we're going to be talking about polyamory. Okay, well, we'll talk about what we've learned in a moment. Uh, I'm going to start by going over some of the terms we might be using in this because I want to make sure that people know what we're talking about. Uh, so just a few things I wanted to point out so that uh, everyone would be on the same page. Uh, cis or cisgendered uh, just means that it basically just means that you're not trans, you're not non-binary. The gender you were assigned at birth is the same gender that you like have realized that you are. You know, so like I was born, they said I was a girl and I definitely feel like I am female. That's all that means. Um, the and gender says, you were assigned is the one you assigned to yourself as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, double assignment. <laughs> uh, and then also, um, so cishet, um, basically that's cisgendered and um, uh, hetero. Uh, and so that just means that you're attracted to... I, I was about to say the opposite sex and I was like, are men and women really opposite? Uh, but anyway, so it's basically, it's men who are attracted to women, women who are attracted to men. Uh, that's what that means. Heteronormative means making, um, basically deciding that the norm is for people to be heterosexual. Uh, and that's, it's used as a word that we, <laughs> we, the heteronormative people <laughs> generally will uh, use that kind of mindset uh, and apply it to other places. So that's what we mean when we say heteronormative. Uh, then monogamous and non-monogamous. Monogamous just means that uh, you've decided you're only going to be sleeping with an, one other person. Um, although I suppose it could be monogamous. It was three people who all decided they were only going to sleep with each other. But um, but anyway, generally not monogamous means two people and generally non-monogamous means more than two people. Uh, it's also like being in a relationship with, right? Not just like yes, with other people. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and then uh, let me see. We also have here a oh, partner is just a non-gendered term. Uh, and then dyad, uh, is, I don't think we'll use it a lot, but it's good to know dyad is also a couple. So it's just, you know, two people. And then, uh, so you can have, um, in polyamorous relationships, you can have like a dyad and then another dyad that, you know, splits off from that. Uh, then triad is, uh, a three person, uh, relationship. And, uh, we will talk later with them about, uh, how they feel about the word throuple. Um, so we'll talk about that later. Uh, and then the, the last thing I wanted to say was, uh, we say poly a lot as, uh, to be short for polyamorous uh and towards the end uh meredith did let me know that uh polyam is kind of what they're trying to go towards because poly can also be polynesian and of course we don't want to take away someone's you know way to identify their heritage by identifying other groups so there's, those there's any poly polys out there let us know polyamorous <laughs> polynesians poly squared <laughs> um yeah. So, okay. So there's, uh, so that's that just so everyone can kind of, you know, understand the language that we're using because it's not always intuitive and sometimes it takes a while to learn that. Uh, so our next little bit that we're going to do is, uh, so we're going to do this episode a little bit differently because a lot of it, uh, was an interview. Uh, we interviewed my, my cousin Meredith and her spouses, um, her husband Christian and her wife Carissa. And they gave us just such a wealth of information that I don't really feel like I want to just talk about the things we talked about with them. I would rather play 
what they're saying and really um yeah really just have everyone listen to what they say about the relationship as opposed to you know putting it through a filter so they most were so lovely and they nice were wonderful oh my God. what a nice conversation I that just, was i do want to give a disclaimer i do get emotional at some point because it got too cute in their story and i couldn't handle it I'm just gonna put that out there there are tears but they're not big ones just like little baby yeah uh, this is too cute for me to handle but it was so they were so transparent and honest and vulnerable with you who's their cut meredith is your cousin but like you've never met mm -hmm. carissa i've never met any of these people and, yeah. they and, were I, just and like, I don't know that that was that's probably the most i've ever heard about christian because when i met him it was at a family reunion and there was lots going on and he was being introduced to everyone and i was introducing uh my boyfriend at the time my now husband to everyone and yeah so like it's it was really amazing to me how willing they were to sort of like a go into an open-ended <laughs> conversation where they didn't know what the questions were going to be um and just that they're you know willing to kind of answer anything we had to ask uh i do think that we as sort of like like as white women of some privilege i think we can definitely get stuck into that uh Oh, that place of expecting anyone who's different to immediately explain themselves to us. Uh, and so that's how I didn't want it to come off. And I think that, uh, I think that they understand that we're, <laughs> we're trying to spread knowledge to everyone else. So. And I also think they understood yeah. that we were coming at it from a place of like wanting to be good allies who were Absolutely. curious about how to ask the right questions but also feeling trepidation about like, okay, how would we approach this conversation? How would somebody who looks like us approach this kind of conversation with their type of demographic? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, yeah, I'm just so thankful that they were willing to talk to us and, uh, and in such a sort of like, like free and open way. And it, really was not as awkward as I expected it to be because of course like as as I kind of said at the beginning I cut this part out because it didn't turn out to be awkward but you know I started by saying you know like I just want to acknowledge that it's awkward to like ask my cousin about her marriage when that's not something she would do to me because my marriage is like the heteronormative two-person uh male female etc <laughs> situation so um yeah, so so just big thank you to them for being so wonderful. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna have to stop t uh, talking about how much we love them because everyone else is gonna love them later when they hear about all that stuff. And we do have a couple things we want to talk about first. What's up? I was just gonna say. Also, you're gonna hear me talk a lot about class because I'm going to school <laughs> to be a therapist. So that's why I bring that up a whole bunch because like during the week I'm talking about like ethics and theories and stuff like that. And then I come to this conversation. I'm like, Oh my oh, God, yeah. real life. <laughs> ethics come up. So yeah. Yeah. Ethics are very, very important in this uh, particular subject. So, uh, so first of all, we, we are going to take a moment to talk about uh, Paul, uh, not Paul, <laughs> take a lot of moments to talk about polyamory, but we'll take just, uh, just a couple of moments to talk about polygamy. Um, because that is something that people are obviously going to be thinking about, uh, as, as hope expressed in the interview, uh, she had mostly seen, uh, relationships with more than one person on like things like big love. And, uh, I don't know why I'm talking to you like you're not here, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my friend hope. So yeah, anyway, uh, so a lot of people 
in this country especially might have just that as their reference point. Um, so we want to talk about that and also kind of explain why that's not really the same thing that we're talking about with our guests. So uh, polygamy, just for everyone's edification, is uh, the umbrella term for one person who has multiple spouses. Usually it's men. There can also be uh, women who marry multiple men. Um, so when it's called uh, polyandry, that's a woman with multiple husbands. When it's called polygyny, that's a man with multiple wives. Oh. Um, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, G Y N. So you know, <laughs> like oh, uh, yes. like I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, effectively. Yeah, <laughs> I just put that together. When, when you look at it, like it's like oh, G G Y N like gyno, and then like A N D like husband. Like it, it makes sense when you look at it, and it's easy to figure out. So, so there's yeah. So th there is a lot of historical precedent for that kind of marriage, but there's a couple things that stand out. So, uh, so when it's when we say it's one person with multiple spouses, um, that is not a situation uh, where all of the people in the relationship have the freedom to, you know, date or have sex with or have romantic uh, relationships with who they want to. That's it, it literally is one person who is having this relationship with a, a bunch of other people. Uh, and that can be a thing that's okay if it's all consensual, but a lot of polygamy has not been particularly consensual. Um mm. In history, uh, a lot of it has been coerced or, you know, people have been in situations where, like, they can't afford to say no, which is also its own form of coercion. So, uh, so Tibet, Africa, um, those are places where historically they practice polygamy. Also, uh, the Plains Indians uh, in the U.S. Uh, and, of course, we all know that uh, Utah had a big history of polygamy with the Mormon people, um, but it was actually, I believe, uh, a condition of their statehood that they had to uh, say, we don't support this anymore. Uh, so in 1904, they actually got to a point where they started excommunicating people for it. Um, and when you look at something like the Mormon church and their relationship with polygamy, uh, the, so the current Mormon church does not support that. Um, the, the, you know, quote unquote Mormons who you hear who are doing that are members of the FLDS and that's, uh, the F is fundamentalist, um, LDS is Latter-day Saints. And, uh, whenever you put fundamentalism in there, you're going to end up with a pretty big separation between the mainstream and, uh, the, those offshoots. Uh, so please don't go around thinking that Mormons are all polygamists. They're not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and in fact, there's only one sect that is not considered by other Mormons, you know, to be even a part of their church that does that. But anyway, so that's that's kind of like a little just very basic information on polygamy because I wanted to talk about it as its own thing uh, because polyamory, as we see it today, really doesn't have a lot of the same roots. Um, a lot of the roots of polygamy historically have been economic. Uh, so if you are in a an area where, you know, textiles are very valuable. Uh, for example, if you're a man, maybe you would want more wives uh, so that those wives can produce those textiles, etc. you know, makes you richer and more powerful. Um, so that's just a very basic, vague example of why that practice has gone on historically. Uh, but the polyamory that we're talking about today is not 
related to that, uh, the reason that people in the polyamorous relationships that, you know, we're exploring are there uh, is that they want to, that they want to have that freedom. They feel that that is the best way for them to have a relationship. Um, so there, there is a difference. And now we're going to switch and just talk about those people who are practicing polyamorists and what we have learned about their lives. So Hope, what did you know about polyamory going into this? We, you and I have known a couple few people who have experimented or are mm -hmm. in polyamorous relationships, but I've seen them work out more negatively than I think you have. Like I've seen one where mm -hmm. it's like not everybody's on board, so it's not really a true polygamous relationship. Yeah. Not um, polyamorous. Yes. Yep. Like <laughs> we, were, I said. we were just talking about polygamy a lot, so it's hard yes. to like. <laughs> Polyam, excuse me, which sounds like it's to me in my head. I hear Pan Am, and then Polyam sounds like an airline just for polyamorous people. <laughs> um, but it basically what it boiled down to when we were talking to them is just like this is just a relationship with more than two people, which sounds yeah. very like obvious but then they're talking about like we all need to communicate and if some person is having something wrong the other two probably pick up on it a lot faster and it's like you know three times the emotion and it's just you have to be vulnerable and open and have communication and they talk about the benefits of therapy which will come up very often and it's just it solidified a lot of things that I learned being in a stable, healthy relationship, but it sounds like they learned it like tenfold. Like it seems like they were, they have a relationship that's like above and beyond what, a, what's it called when it's just to a dyad relationship <laughs> is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What am I? <laughs> we've just been delving so far into like the polyam universe yeah. now we're like wait what's what's the word who am i my own situation <laughs> yes yeah and I, I i would agree with you that i've seen a lot of uh you know a, alleged polyamorous relationships ending negatively and usually it's because one person or maybe multiple people uh, in the situation aren't polyamorous um, because it's not something that everyone necessarily can do. It doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. It seems like it, it, in the, it seems like it, generally when you see it not work out, it's because like someone's being coercive or someone's thinking like, Oh, everyone can do this. You're just not trying. And all of that comes down to communication. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I have seen things work out okay as well. I, I do think, Definitely that uh, the triad that we talked to, um, they are probably the healthiest polyamorous relationship that I have seen. But I also, I, w I wouldn't say that I've seen enough examples to have a fully formed opinion on, you know, what necessarily is healthy in a polyamorous world. I just, it's what looks healthy to me in relationships. Right. And you and I can talk about this all day long and speculate all you want, all we want. But you and I are yeah. two serial monogamists who <laughs> only have dated one person at a time. <laughs> yeah. So we, it, I, talking to them really took out a lot of the implicit taboo feelings that I had about it. 
Not that I like outwardly thought it was taboo, but there was like still some parts of me that was like, well, what's the secret? Like what's going on here? What, why do you need another person? And in talking to them, it was just like, you, I just love someone else. And so does the person that I love. That's all it came down to, which is like, okay, great. (laughs) So we also talked a little bit to them and this, I guess we're kind of just briefing people on what we're going to be talking about in the interview that we've already recorded. But yeah, the uh, one thing I thought was really cool when I was doing research onto it um, is that it seems like in the polyam community, people who have had difficulty in life elsewhere tend to find more of a home. Uh, So, you know, people with disabilities, trans people, non-binary people have just a better time because they're not being forced into this box they don't fit into. And I think that, I don't know, it just, it seems like the more people have to justify themselves, they either, I mean, they either get beaten down and it's a horrible situation, which is kind of what we're trying to, um, help stop by putting information out there um, or they become even healthier, better communicating versions of themselves, you know, because I feel like a lot of people get to a point where they're like, no, this is me and I'm going to express that this is me. Uh, And I think that in the polyam uh, arena, it's kind of, it's more uh, accepted for people to express who they are. Yeah. Yeah. like, like, I think that might be kind of why, <laughs> yeah, what, why people might gravitate towards that if they felt outside society. And yeah, that's a really beautiful and cool thing. Um, I, of course, yeah. not, not all people, you know, who have disabilities or are trans are necessarily going to be interested in that lifestyle. But I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty cool when subjugated groups are like, okay, well, if no one's helping, you know, you guys, we're all going to help each other. Right. Um, and then whenever they were just talking about it and like the kind of questions that people ask them and like how oh, their relationship is just kind of always on display and like people yeah. see it as like a thing that can just talk to them about. And they, it sounded like yeah. they were really vocal about like talking about it and like divulging that kind of stuff. Nobody cares about yours or my relationships. Like no yeah, one like, talks like, why? about like the intimate parts of, being with Chris and Griffin and it's like it just they just seem like this glowing beacon of like that's how much they love each other is that they're not willing to just stop educating people about the lifestyle and how it's not taboo and they just like even though I saw them over zoom they just seem like this like glowing like (laughs) beacon of people who are just like really in love and I was like this is so sweet (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. And and honestly, like the, yeah, like as you're saying, the questions that they've been asked or are asked on a regular basis are, you know, A, like not the most relevant because they're saying they get asked about the sex a lot, like, which is insane to me. Although one thing I thought was interesting is like, it seemed like both of the women in the relationship uh, were asked about that maybe more than the, the man in the relationship, which I, I don't know if that's just the people that they're hanging out with or if that's like an actual thing that you might hear more about, but like gross straight people care more about girl on girl stuff than anything else. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. That's probably true. That's what the internet is for guys. Like don't ask normal people about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it would never be at all reasonable for someone to come up and ask me about my sex life within my marriage because they're not a part of it 
So why do you need to know, you know, like, unless it's something where you're trying to protect someone and you're like concerned that they're being abused, but like, that's not the situation, No, you know, like, like, you know, you can't just go, you know, say like, oh, your sex life is different from mine. So I'm going to ask you. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure that this is probably something that, um, like, you know, gay relationship and lesbian relationships have to deal with as well, because, you know, it's something that's not the, you know, quote unquote norm. And that, that goes back again to like the people having to explain themselves, um, which, and I realize how ironic it is that I'm like, oh, I don't want people to have to explain themselves. And then, you know, got a hold of someone and said, can you please explain to us? But um, is, yeah, this is just getting into like a whole other, we can talk about this on another podcast, but like yeah. asking people personal questions that are borderline inappropriate, like what's your sex life like as a polyam triad and then Chrissy Teigen was talking about people asking her about like trying to make a baby and stuff and she's like you have no idea what someone's going through stop asking me about that like stuff that you feel like you have a privilege to know about you don't you don't always have that privilege I don't care how close you are with that person they don't have to have that information given out and it does seem like uh, like polyamorous relationships tend to be overly sexualized uh, in the view of monogamous people. And I think it's, I think it is partially because of maybe the, the taboo aspect, which is something that, you know, you know, cishet monogamous community put on that anyway, like it didn't need to be there, but you know, we put that taboo there, but then at the same time, it seems like a lot of cishet uh, monogamous people are interested in like they're interested maybe even want to be a part of it but aren't sure if they want to be a part of it and it's like it's interesting like we talked to them a little bit about some some like other partners and they it seemed like there was an attitude of wanting it to be taboo even if you're inside um, a polyamorous relationship and at that point there's definitely something to question something to look at and say okay well why is that the case because as like like as we both noticed the way that we talked about it with them, like it, it made me feel like there was no taboo at all no. and that there's no reason that, you know, we can't talk about this and there's no reason that it has to be sexualized because why would it, you right. know, as you can be interested in having threesomes and like more than one sexual partner and you, that doesn't make you polyam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, the fact that you like if you are poly i mean you want to have relationships with multiple people it doesn't take away your emotional depth you know and so yeah it's it's ridiculous so so it's, yeah it was interesting to hear about the sort of interactions they've had i mean with their friends and with family and that kind of thing and i think i i think they were very i think they were very generous in their assumptions that you know people people want to take care of us. People want to know that we're okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I think that they were, they're very, uh, very kind in saying, you know, <laughs> my dad didn't understand this because he, you know, thought that something bad was going to happen to me or something, I, you know, and I, yeah. it's a nice way to look at it. I definitely don't know if I would be that um, generous about my assumptions of other people, but, but yeah, so that's, I mean, there, there's, there's that to consider. There's also the fact to consider that, especially if it's um, a woman who's dated men and then becomes involved in a polyamorous relationship, it's also 
sort of a, well, no, this would be true for a man too. I don't know why I said a woman, but you know, um, as an example, um, (laughs) but if you go into a polyamorous relationship, like there might end up being like someone of your same sex. And at that point that might involve also a coming out uh, as pansexual or bisexual. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot and God, having to, having to come out as like multiple things at once. I mean, I I can't imagine. And just, just so much kudos to them. They're so they I, seem right. like such a such a strong relationship between all of them. Like there was yeah the way they were talking about it. I was like, these people are going to be together forever. Yeah, like, so, well, I, then, I think that's the plan. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for them. <laughs> I oh, oh, I was about to say something. I forget what it was. Oh, uh, and and we're not just for the listener there. Um, I think there can be a tendency for people in who are allies of uh, polyamorous people uh, is that there might be a tendency for us to say like, oh, they're just more enlightened than us. So oh, they just never get jealous, etc. All that kind of stuff. But what what uh, what I've seen written and what we really um, had confirmed, at least uh, in the case of the people we talked to, is that that's not true. I mean, there's spectrums in relationships of, you know, who like, you know, who's doing well, who's not really doing well, how you need to adjust things. And it's not the same in every relationship. And what it really kind of brought home for me is communication is key in just everything. Because my relationship has gotten way better just with communication. I mean, any relationship does not not just a marriage, not just, you know, a romantic relationship. But all relationships, I think, are better with communication. And that was, like, everything I've read and everything that I've heard, like, polyamorous people are, like, so quick to say you have to communicate, you have to respect everyone, all that kind of stuff. And it's, to me, it's very fucked up that this community is saying, sorry, it's not fucked up they're saying it, but but when they're saying these things, I think it's really fucked up that people respond by deciding it's, like, it's a taboo and that it's, you know, it's all about sex, et cetera. Whereas if you actually listen to people, they're just saying things that are really good for healthy relationships. And also uh, it's another thing to worthwhile to point out that I think that people assume that anyone in a lifestyle that is not the norm is trying to convert people. And yeah. if that's the case, then the person who's talking to you is not doing it in a healthy way. And that, that doesn't necessarily reflect polyamorous relationships. Um, in fact, I, w- I would say it probably doesn't really reflect healthy polyamorous relationships at all. Um, because if someone's coercing, then it's not going to work out. Uh, so if that is, it, you know, listeners, um, if, if that is a feeling you've had, I would say maybe reassess that and think about who you were talking to because like every, everything, all the resources you see online, they all talk about mutual respect, communication, um, you know, just treating people really well. Oh, and, and just to talk about uh, a few of the resources that I use, th- there was one that I used that I found out apparently the, the person who puts it out is not great. So I'm not going to give that person airtime. Um, but I did find uh, this website called, uh, let me see, it's called Loving More. Uh, and it's a, it's actually, it's a nonprofit that uh, says their mission statement is supporting polyamory, ethical non-monogamy and new models for relationships. Uh, and they have like an FAQ and they have 
a magazine. They have lots of info on it and, you know, info on how to do polyamory in an ethical way. And uh, yeah, and that's just really, really cool. There's podcasts about it on Spotify. There's really a wealth of information out there. Uh, so I would, I would encourage uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about polyamory to really look into that stuff uh, and understand that we don't have to rely on the people who are in the relationships to explain them to us. Um, we are very lucky that we had people who were like totally interested in giving us a snapshot of what their life is like and what their relationship is like. But it's not, uh, it's absolutely not what all polyamorous relationships look like. Um, I think that a lot of the things they talked about are very, very common themes in healthy polyamorous relationships. Uh, but effectively what this episode is going to be and what, uh, and what this interview is going to be is kind of like an introduction and a primer, uh, in a way to kind of get people more comfortable with uh, talking about polyamory and listening to people's stories. Um, because when you listen to them, they're just, they're lovely and fantastic. We're just dispelling some myths yeah. and probably answering questions that Hopefully. aren't inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Answering questions in a respectful way and kind of doing yeah. some. <laughs> um, we're trying to make your knowledge a little less vague. Yeah. And ours too. And I think my knowledge about it is much less vague than it used to be, yeah. which is nice. Um, I had some understanding about polyamory before, but it's gotten much, much deeper and much more detailed. Um, yeah, I, I, I really want, like, I wanted to shout out the podcast, but there's a bunch of them. Um, so what I'm probably going to do is I'll, like I did before, I'll post everything that I used and resources for learning more on the website, um, a vague knowledge of everything.com. And, uh, Hey, maybe I might start doing it on the Instagram, which is VKO yeah. <laughs> VKOE underscore podcast. Um, yeah. So we'll be putting out the, the information that we, used this, the resources that we used uh but the next section um is going to be an interview uh yeah. with gotta give the people what they want give them the interview absolutely yeah so yeah what you're going to be hearing next is an interview with my cousin meredith and her spouses uh christian and carissa and they're fantastic wonderful people and you might hear in the background some noises of a dog snoring and grunting and <laughs> that's because they were sitting on a couch with one of their dogs and it was adorable and you might hear some construction coming from the other side of my headphones because there was construction happening behind my house so my apologies <laughs> all right well uh yeah so with no further ado uh we'll move to the interview section of this um i'm rosie and facts matter i'm hope and yeah <laughs> what's my thing i forget now that you know better do better now that you know better do better exactly Which i'm gonna be that applied down. to our treatment of everyone yes yeah all right so uh yeah so here's Christian, Meredith, and Carissa. It wasn't weird at all for us. It was oh, good. Kind of exciting. I'm, I'm sure. Nobody ever listens to what we have to say about polyamory. <laughs> Ooh. They don't want to hear it. The tea oh. is too hot. Well, we want to hear it. Yay. So yeah. So, like, okay. Uh, so, let's start by having you guys tell us whatever you would like about how your relationship evolved. And, yeah. 
just just go for it. I don't want to try to like guide you too much because you know what you want to say. <laughs> you're the best at explaining that big picture of things. Me or him? You. Oh. Probably, right? Or what do you think? I think you should okay. kind of lay the backstory. Uh, so, see, we go through this decision-making process all the time. We over-communicate about everything, which is beautiful. <laughs> um, so, we, Christian and I were together for about three years um, in total, and then decided, well, we were together for about three years and we'd always kind of talked about um, having an open relationship or like the possibility. He knew that I was pansexual um, and, but we had never really considered um, being in an open relationship. Um, like we'd talked about it, but we hadn't really gotten there. And then uh, we opened up a little bit more about a year and a half ago uh, and then that's when we started seeing Carissa it was a couple months after that um, and when our when our open relationship started it was defined by me and Christian as um, you can spend it it came from a lot of frustration on both of our sides about the way that we spent our time the way that the other person spent their time with other people and does that make sense um, it, like, was jealousy coming into it or it was, it was a lot, a lot of it was about jealousy. A lot of it was about, are you being negligent on your responsibilities? Are you spending more time with another person because you're avoiding what's at home? Um, and so that was something like just not even about like romantic relationships, just like, why are you spending time with the people that you're spending time with? And is it about me? Basically, there was like a lot of that going on and we worked through a lot of issues between each other, just defining our space as our, like our relationships as when you go spend time with somebody else, are you safe? Are you healthy? Is this like a healthy relationship? And are you happy? And like, and then after that, if those things are all met, then you have to let go and let, and trust your partner, trust each other. And so we had been working through that just with the people that we spend our time with in general. Um, for almost a year, I'd say six to eight months um, before Carissa came into the picture. And Carissa was one of my friends from high school. We were on yearbook together. And <laughs> like we were friends in high school. And uh, that we met up at a bar after the Sounders game, the Pride Sounders game. And it, it's hard to get me out of the house. So yeah. I had been asked to like come out just like as friends because I just, I just got out of the Navy. So, um, I didn't really go out that much and Mare finally got me to come out. <laughs> and like we started dating like the next week. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been with Carissa now a little bit over a year, like 18 months. Or when you say we started dating, was is that you and Carissa? Is that you and Christian Carissa started dating? So um, like I, so it was like Christian and Carissa for like a week. And then it was all three of us. And it wasn't really like there was a particular reason for that other than the fact that I was seeing other people. Like I was seeing other other people in general. And so um, like I'd kind of gotten to that point that we were like all, that like it was just open, like open for possibility. Mm -hmm. And then it became clear really quickly that like we all wanted to see each other yeah. and be with each other. So. Aww. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carissa and I had really incredible chemistry right off the bat. 
And so we spent a lot of time, like we spent pretty much every day, any free time we had together. Talking. Kind of for like right off the bat. And uh, she was, she had roommates here in this house at the time. Things like the tension here was uh, palpable and between her and her old roommate. Uh, so there was like lots of change. Meredith and I were looking for a new place to live. Our apartment was about to be uh, sold or knocked down basically to build new condos. Uh, so we were all kind of in a, a, a state of flux at the time too. So it was not a really like we didn't really have solid, especially for Meredith and I, we, we were like kind of feeling pretty unstable at the time. So I think we all kind of headed into it with a healthy bit of caution, but then also a lot of trust in each other. Uh, yeah. And it, it helped that they knew each other for so long after or before I met Carissa. Yeah. Uh, that that helped me kind of uh, trust who she was and that she was a good person. And also it helped me a lot too, because it was like, I wanted to spend time with Carissa, but it was like, I don't need to spend time with Carissa because I don't need to get to know her because like, I know who she <laughs> is, you know what I mean? And like, I think that, that that, just like the fact that we knew each other gave us the, like it helped me to be more okay with the space that I was giving mm -hmm. them to get to know each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. So, so, uh, I mean, you talked about here seeing other people. Um, uh, is there, um, is there like a community of poly people that kind of like seeks to reach out and like say, Hey, poly people can all gather here. This is, you know, like these are safe events, et cetera. Like, is there stuff like that? There totally is, but we all generally don't release your toward them because <laughs> a lot of we've noted, we've, we've come to notice even in just like the Facebook groups that we're in that are poly amorous mm -hmm. Facebook groups, people are really weird. Like you think about like, <laughs> like I'm thinking about like the, the exposure that people have to polyamorous non-monogamous lifestyle right now is like the tiger King, you know, oh, like, geez. like how they have like the relationships that are there and they're really dysfunctional and um, so, but like, I've noticed that a lot of the relationships, people, like people that are poly have kind of come out of the woodworks mm -hmm. or, um, in a way, and I've learned a lot more about people that have open relationships and, yeah. um, they tend to be really strange and tend to not like, I feel good about us when I look at their relationships, not in a bad way, not in like a, like screw them, they suck type of way, but we have a lot stronger communication and trust with each other and we're more, more vulnerable with each other. A lot of people I think that go to the polyamorous lifestyle, especially early on, were cheated on or were cheaters before and mm -hmm. have power trip issues. And so they'll go to that type of place. And like I said, when I was say when I was seeing other people, I found out very quickly that those people that I was seeing were not people that were willing to be as honest or upfront or forward as the three of us were. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like 
they are kind of chumps. Like <laughs> we were, like we were inviting them in and trying to be caring and without um, it being like another relationship because like Mare was dating like on her own. Yeah, like I was seeing other people. Yeah, like mm-hmm. we weren't all seeing the other person, you know? So like, but we were trying to like, th- whoever it was that she was dating, we were trying to like bring them a- in and like be like, yeah, it's cool. Like we're all, we all get along. We're all like, we support want, to support. yeah, to support you. Yeah. Like even though you're not like, one of us three, like, uh, they, like, couldn't grasp that. Huh. Uh, even while trying to be a part of it, a lo- like, a couple of people were just, like, um, it's, like, they're, like, I don't know, it's just too weird. I can't, I, I, I can't do it. Or there was a yeah, it's almost like they want to do it, but they want it to be taboo at the same time. Yeah, right. yeah. exactly. Was, there was one person that Meredith started seeing who was uh, initially a friend of mine who was like, oh yeah, I'm down with this whole thing. Like, you know, Polly's cool and all. And then started getting possessive of Meredith and trying to say like, well, what do you think about leaving them and just being with me and being monogamous? It's like no, that's not really. You're missing the point, dude. Yeah, like, and he'd been in, and he'd been in an open relationship for years with one of my friends, but like clearly there was a lot of jealousy and mixed shit going on with their relationship that he hadn't addressed and hadn't worked through, and that's why it just repeated itself in our relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and so I've I've listened to a bunch of like podcasts and stuff trying to get like a good understanding uh, of things, and there's so much out there, but the there was a common thread that I heard was that like, it seemed like, like there are people who, who are poly because they're poly and there are people who, who are like going into polyamorous relationships because they're looking for a way out of their current one. Uh, or like they want, you know, like th- that it's, that it's less about the actual polyamory and more about like, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. Um, yeah. But it seems like that. Seems like that'll gonna, that's going to backfire there's, every time. I'm sure there's a mix of all of that. Yeah. In any combination of that. I think that there's like a, particularly with monogamous couples, uh or uh cishet monogamous couples, uh I feel like there is like the propensity for a lot of manipulation to take place. Like maybe it was one of the partners' idea and they've been kind of co the other partner has been coerced to want that and I feel like Meredith and I both landed on it kind of at the same like we started out our relationship pretty much talking about that as an option or like we talked about it how we felt about it and for me like at first the idea of her being with another man brought up and brought up pretty intense jealousy for me Mm-hmm. And it took it at first. I was like, "Yeah, it's it. I'm cool with it, but you know, like maybe only see other women." And the one dick policy. Yes, it's the one penis <laughs> policy, and that's one of the like pretty typical toxic traits of heteronormative relationships going into trying trying to expand to polyamory. Uh, 
and it took some getting over for me. It was like, I really, it was really a letting go process and like an analysis of where those feelings are coming from and eventually just being like, I have to set her free. Like if I want to be free, she has, it has to be equal. Yeah. Like we can't have, uh, like there can't be a double standard. Yeah. And that was a really big thing too, is like letting go of each other's, of your ownership over your partner. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge thing. Like how he said, slutter free. Like it's like, we never, we were never overly controlling of each other. I would say I was probably more controlling of him than he was of me. And, but like, it was, we had to let go of that control over each other, whatever type of grasp and just love. And I feel like now our love is like a different, like a higher level of love. Yeah. Mm -hmm to be able to let go of that control and to just want your partner to be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've really found with Carissa and like, and Carissa makes us so happy too. Like, and Carissa, her background is, is a lot is different than ours and, but like very similar and has been through, Chris has been through a lot of shit too. So it's like just finding those things, those threads that are common in your prior relationships that haven't reasons that you haven't had it work, mm -hmm. not blaming the other mm -hmm. person, but things mm -hmm. that you haven't done or you things you haven't gotten over. And like, uh, one thing that I was going to say, uh, was one of the guys that I was dating, like about being ethical. Like we, we've defined our polyamory as ethical non-monogamy mm -hmm. because there's, that's just how we define it like the, the, like ethical non-monogamy and one of the things about uh one of the guys that I was dating is that uh I thought it was ethical but it turns out that he was cheating on me with his ex the entire time he kept telling me that she was an ex but they were still seeing each other and they were still involved and she yeah. didn't know that was seeing somebody else but like we were seeing each other for like six months and he kept telling me about how abusive she was about how shitty she was and how he was getting a restraining order they were seeing each other the whole time and so he was lying and that's not ethical. yeah no it's not into that ethical non-monogamy and he was down for being open because him and his ex-girlfriend had had threesomes but it was like not the same thing you know i love the ethical non-monogamy phrase i just want to like yeah. simmer in that for a second because i'm in the middle of grad school for social work and we literally have something called the code of ethics that like we bring up every single class and I was talking about it and it's just like th there should be a code of ethics for like relationships too oh. and you have to like define them for yourself and say this is what is ethical for you and I this is what's ethical for me and for you and like this is where we meet in the middle I love that so much did you guys come up with that it no. was a phrase that we saw like in the community, but it, mm -hmm. to us, it helped define us more than just polyamory mm -hmm. or like yeah. polycule. polycule is what you call like multiple, you know, multiple partners and multiple things. Mm -hmm. like, I love that. It's like molecule. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have some questions. I don't know if you have any questions you want to ask before I go into it, Rosie. I, I have more, but that's fine. Cause we can trade off. Okay. We can I was just, my, my first introduction to someone having more than one romantic partner was the sister wife show on TLC. Cause that was on when I was in like middle school and high school. So I'm curious about if people assume that's what all polyamory is for you guys. Like, do they just assume like you guys are sister wives and like 
the husband's like the main central part of that pod and like how do you how much energy do you have to explain that not everything has to do with <laughs> that section of religion <laughs> well this is so this is interesting i don't know if i told you this hope but uh meredith <laughs> you're a mormon so it's like it's the one of the interesting things about about that is that um my family who about three quarters of my siblings i have 12 siblings three quarters of my siblings are still pretty active mormon and they have more of an issue with me being gay than with me being polyamorous They have more of an issue with me like having sex with my wife or my, you know, my, my lady partner to then, then they, or being romantic with her than uh, me being in a relationship with more than one person. And that really surprised me. Um, most of my family has been really chill with it, but I've had one sister who's been really like, you know, it's going to be hard to not see you in heaven <laughs> type of stuff. Mm-hmm. and like but, really extreme like really mean stuff like stuff that mayor had to like explain to me because i didn't understand the like mormon language of like mm-hmm. how the, they, they speak to each other like words that like rip your heart out without <laughs> actually sounding like it to other people yeah yeah it's it's that like condescending i care about you you know <laughs> it's like oh, i'm trying to yeah. save you oh yeah let me help yeah, let me, yeah, seriously. And I think that Carissa, did you have to explain to like your family about it too much or did they think um, that it was weird? They kind of just like accepted. I mean, I think they've just always known that I've, uh, I'm going to be different because I never got married and I never had kids and I was already like 30. And that's like kind of like rare for my family. Um, I don't know. I just never really like wanted that life. And I never knew how I like fit into life, I guess. <laughs> but um, what was the point of that? What was I saying? I don't remember. Like family dynamics with uh, polyamory. polyamory. Explain oh, explain to my family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my mom, I just kind of like explained it to her like I mean, she was just open with it straight off the bat. She didn't really know what it was and, like, was worried. Most people were, like, worried for me. Like, all of our families, for the most part, like, our good friends and family members that accepted us no matter what it was and even if they didn't understand it, um, uh, they... There was, like... They they felt like um, they wanted to protect us. Like my mm-hmm. friends and family were like, "Ooh, you're just gonna get left behind by that married couple, and mm-hmm. they're gonna just drop you on the side of the road, and you're not gonna know what to do." And like her family was like, "She's just trying to steal your man." Mm-hmm. And then his family is like, "Why did you get a carbon copy of your <laughs> current wife who?" Guys <laughs> <laughs> don't. It, I mean, we go through strife and stuff like that, but it's like we always get through it, uh, them independently mm-hmm. and together, and then all of us together. So, yeah, it was like a lot of our family and friends were really protective yeah, of there was us. Yeah, there was a sense know? of worry, like trusting us, but also worried. Yeah, like they don't understand it, so it's probably easy to assume there's something sinister there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And underneath, we were really just 
working on ourselves and that was sort of the uh the product. natural progression of yeah. things it really yeah. like you were saying before like makes you look at yourself and like makes you look at all your relationships like even though i didn't want to i have had to like draw boundaries with people that i thought were going to be in my life for the rest of my life you know um mm -hmm. And it's not like because I wanted to do that or whatever. It's just like once you start working on yourself and, and um, having support, um, you realize the people that you've kept around that are really taking from you and not like giving to you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so it's like been a whole whirlwind of emotions and like breaking through like for me, especially like, cause I just got out of the military in 2019. So I had like all these walls built up. I was in for six years. So like, I was just hardened and angry at the world. And I was still me like deep inside, like I was still me. And like, pe like people were like, you didn't really change when you went to the military, but like this relationship and like working on myself and like therapy, plug for therapy everyone should go um <laughs> even if you don't believe in it where it works um, oh yeah yeah so uh yeah just like having the space to work on yourself without um someone like breathing down your neck I think like that's what I needed in order to like break down my walls to like open myself up and figure out what I really wanted in life, you know? I think that's a sign. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Uh, I think we all have a lot more independence and a lot more support than we did before. Each of us individually do. I think that's the sign of like a really good, healthy relationship is when you feel like you can do things like go to therapy and work on yourself and like ask difficult questions that they might have not have the answer to, but you're like, I need to start asking this kind of stuff for my moral inventory and that kind of thing. And if that's happening with three people instead of two, who are people to be like, this isn't valid or like, this isn't, you know, this is whatever people want to say about it. I just, I get caught up in people being judgmental whenever things are just fine. Like obviously <laughs> things are working. This looks like a very happy, healthy marriage between three people, like who cares? like with with that one and with like uh the other things that i've seen and like the, the podcast i was listening to that like a lot of the things people say like oh you have to do like this this and this um to make sure that your poly relationship works are just like good things for relationships in general like yes. communicating about things like setting boundaries you know like setting expectations and making sure that each person knows what the other person's expectations are and limitations and stuff like that and it's just it's interesting because it seems like it seems like since uh like monogamous couples like since we fall into like societal norms and stuff uh it like we can get it into a point where there are things that we don't feel like we have to communicate about and that's like crippling to the relationship because we feel like oh well like everything looks normal so it's probably fine and then once you start communicating you realize oh this relationship's getting so much better um but it seems kind of like like polyamory it kind of maybe forces it 
a little quicker because if you don't communicate, I imagine it all falls apart. That's my take on it too, is that <laughs> if you have any issues whatsoever, and we all do, going into any relationship, it's gonna test those. And when you, when you have more than two people, it comes up faster. <laughs> and it, and there's, more of a need, there's more of a need to address those things and be upfront about it because you you can't really get away with what you were saying like monogamous couples do kind of fall mm -hmm. into the status quo and ignore mm -hmm. the peripherals and and say everything's mm -hmm. fine because like mm -hmm. you know two people can say oh, everything's fine but mm -hmm. out of the three of us <laughs> if anything is ever going on it's mm -hmm. like it compounds and it can be like a problem can become bigger than it needs to be faster i think yeah mm -hmm. and on the other side of it it's like when we argue or are upset with if somebody's upset with somebody or we're arguing it'll it does not last very long because like it's it's not like you we go to bed angry or you know you start a fight in the morning and the fight goes on all day it's like there's a fight at breakfast and we're over it and on to the next thing by lunch because we sit down and we talk about it or we work through it or you know it's not like you go to op you go to different rooms and you shut slam the door and you don't talk for six or eight hours that's not how it works with the three of us it's just it, it can't it can't be like that we're all way too emotional and <laughs> And, and very yeah. in touch with those emotions as yeah, well, probably more so than sometimes yeah, other and people. very in touch with each other <laughs> and like not wanting the other person or other people to suffer. And so like, mm -hmm. you know, if one person's having a really hard time, it's not like the third person, it's usually something between two of us. Mm -hmm. And then the third person doesn't play the go-between, but goes and supports where they feel they need to support. And then things just, mm -hmm. the whole thing that mushroom clouded just collapses really quickly. So I mean. is it common or uncommon for like, if I, something was wrong with one, with person one, but they don't really know that they're putting out signals that something's wrong. Do the other two like come in and not really gang up on them, but be like, Hey, we noticed something's going on here. Yes. I think that's really common. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like sometimes with my partner, I'll be like feeling one way and I think I'm hiding it really well. And he'll come over and be like, Hey, you're not very good at lying. <laughs> yeah. So I just wondered how that yeah. worked with two people and if it would make one person feel like ganged up on or anything. But if it's like a good relationship, that wouldn't be how you feel about it. If somebody's yeah. like trying to care about you, you know? Yeah. I don't think any of us are very defensive when it comes to needing help. I think we all That's great. What a life. <laughs> yeah, it's something I have to work on all the time. It's like, no, it's yeah. fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> I got it. That didn't come easily. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's taken a lot of work. I mean, I have had a lot of problems personally with being helped with anything. Like, I don't like asking for help. I don't like um I don't know I just like uh, have like conditioned myself to not uh need anyone yeah um, so. I was definitely yeah I feel that because I was pretty independent 
and then we started dating and he has he still has to be like I can help you with this you don't have to do everything by yourself and I'm like okay but like I can and he's like oh you don't have to so yeah. what if you didn't <laughs> Yeah. I feel like if I if I like speak to that, I'm just gonna go over my wedding vows again. Just, just you know, <laughs> like you made me better. You've helped me help myself be better. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, I have like kind of just a random question. Um. Whenever I hear the word thruple, it makes me feel icky, and it makes me like think it might be offensive, and I don't know really why. But I was wondering if that's true, or if it's just something I'm putting on it. <laughs> Um, from what I've read, and this is just my research about like polyamory and stuff, thruple is more a um, word that uh, I guess heteronormative monogamous people use to okay. explain it. Um, but it, it relates it to couple. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. I yes. think so. Yeah. Um, just to like make sense of it to themselves, but I don't think people for the most part, who are polyamorous use that word. Mm -hmm. um, they use, uh, like for us, I would use the term triad. Yeah, okay. That. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So I think that um, it's just kind of like a easy way to kind of just throw it in a box like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, purple. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes me feel like uh it makes me feel the same kind of like weird reaction when like people go up to a lesbian couple and say well which one of you is like the guy though you know like you're trying to fit it into like your worldview so it sort of it sort of imposes monogamous thinking onto a non-monogamous relationship or not or normative relationship too yeah yeah it's like categorizing something with a completely different system Yeah. But yeah, so you're right. Yes. Icky. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that's what I thought we were talking about. And I was like, I feel like yeah. they don't... I, I don't find it offensive, but I'm sure that there yeah. are people that would find it offensive. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like something that like, mm, that's probably not <laughs> something we should say <laughs> um, in general. But I was wondering if that was, yeah, if that was just the way that I perceived it or if it was real. And so that's good to know. Um, okay, so we've talked about, like, we've talked about some misconceptions, uh, just in general, like, as we've gone along, but is there anything we haven't talked about yet that's you think is a fairly common misconception for, like, the, like, um, monogamous, and maybe even particularly, like, cishet monogamous uh, community puts on polyamory and polyamorous relationships? If you ever hear the term unicorn hunting... Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Uh, that is, I think that, like, especially a relationship like ours could be misconstrued mm -hmm. uh, or misinterpreted like that, as in male, female, cishet, ah. for a third, which is not what we were doing. That happened, but that's not, that was not our intention. Yeah, uh, you guys sound like you were looking for a partner and not a third. Like it looks like it felt like you're like yeah, for something not like a sublevel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a, a, a list of criteria. <laughs> uh, we it was really more open ended, and sort of, you know, just opening up the possibility of having more partners, mm -hmm. um, and it just worked out that 
we met an amazing woman. And I think that it is it is a common thing, especially from what I'm what I've read on social media. Like people couples will make Tinder profiles saying looking for a third has to be a woman, uh, has to be down for threesomes. And it's like, there's all, there's all these, uh, criteria for it. And yeah, I, I was on OkCupid for a while and I got some messages from some of those couples. A, that's a particularly toxic dynamic because what tends to happen is, uh, like what her family and friends were worried about is that the primary couple, the primary, the two primary people in the relationship sort of use that third person and then when they're no longer needed, uh, they dump them or mistreat them, like undervalue um, them. They treat don't them as to, an equal. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's another thing too, is that like we, like Chris is not like, like she's not a third, she's not a different level. Like we've, from the beginning, we've been very conscious about like that we're all equal and that like I call her my wife, I call him my husband, like we can't be legally married, mm -hmm. all three of us, only in the state of Massachusetts, is that legal? Um, That's legal in the state of Massachusetts, I didn't know that. They just, they just, just legalized it a couple interesting. months ago. Uh, what, oh, what do you wish people would ask, or you wish people knew that they don't ask, and like maybe poly people don't get the opportunity to like explain or clarify? And that's also misconceptions, I guess, too. But that's more of like a what, like what do they they not ask you? I guess they I wish us. wouldn't ask about who has sex with who. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is like a first question. That's the first question. So who? Fucks no. Who? People. Like, people. No. Like what they think of when they hear polyamory or anything like that. It's yeah. like the first thing that comes to their head. I was telling them the other day about like some polyamory video when I was still in the Navy that I saw, but it was like a vice video and like the three people like dressed up as horses and rode around on carriages with each other and stuff like that. And I was like, this is what people are seeing that polyamory is like. It's yeah. like a freak friend. Then people immediately go to the like the the biggest like the farthest away conclusion the oh. grossest question you could possibly ask yeah, yeah. and also why is it ever okay we're always at sex parties <laughs> like yeah. like our friends have have been like so do you guys have orgies all the time do you go to sex parties and it's like we have the most boring fucking life <laughs> it's like you don't have the energy for that <laughs> don't have any, yeah it's all of it's tapped out by our, the emotional support of each other and communicating you know what I, mean? like, <laughs> I feel like to have the energy for like you know orgies all the time you'd have to like no, you know not have to work you know be in like the least <laughs> stressful position ever and then it's like okay now i have the energy yes yeah. that's what the internet's for you need yeah. that in here that's, what, that's fine. Other people do that. And as long as you find them doing consentingly, you can watch that. <laughs> I, I'm, okay. I don't know your like immediate family dynamics, like the family you came from. I just know me personally, whenever it's Christmas time and we have to like travel from family to family a whole bunch. And I know Rosie knows what I'm talking about too. Does yeah. that, 
get exacerbated even more with three families to consider whenever it's like holiday or like big family time. <laughs> Virgo with logistics there. <laughs> we all but we've had one Christmas together and one Thanksgiving together so far uh, as the three of us. And we pretty much opted out of holidays last year yeah. Uh, yeah. because it was too much. And I personally, I had a lot of strain, my relationship with my parents. Uh, they, my dad in particular was very cautious, very wary of this new person, not sure how to take it. And even told me like, I have a lot of like hangups and Things he needs to work on. Things that he needs to get through and work on to be able to accept it. And even meet me. Like, meet me. So it took like a year for him to meet me. Yeah, just about. And uh, I think we haven't really discussed this holiday season. Um, What holiday season? (laughs) It was was kind of an easy out this year if you didn't want to go. (laughs) But... I could see, like, if we were to make it to each of our parents' houses, it would require a lot of effort. Yeah, <laughs> to go to everyone. I a mean, a lot of planning. I think we've done a lot of work with our parents. Yeah. All of us, like, talking to them and, like, explaining them and telling them about, you know, our relationship and stuff like that. It's like, definitely, I've seen change in, like, my dad. Yeah. Like, I, my dad uh, was so against everything weird and, like, everything different, everything, like, he wanted me to be, like, just a normal girl, but I just never have been or whatever, but, um, uh, he's completely changed his, like, thought of things. Oh, this is what I was going to say earlier. When... Mary and Christian proposed to me. They took, uh, we were on Orcas Island and um, uh, they proposed to me and everything. And then when we got, it was amazing and perfect. And I was surprised. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, uh, we're going to get emotional. Oh. It's okay. I'll, well, we can find the pictures so you can see them. Now That's that you so know them, cute. Hope. <laughs> you guys proposed yeah. together. Oh, it's um, so adorable. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. We got yeah. matching rings. Yeah, we got matching rings. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that was one of my questions. I was like, do you guys all have a ring for each other? Because that's really cute. Yes, they're, um, they got them oh from, market from a guy that like handmade them right in front of them and stuff. So. Oh, wow. So, oh my God, this yeah, is too much. It was cool. like amazing. It was like, I, for me, I never thought I was going to get married in my lifetime <gasps> because I didn't think it just fit with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's been married like seven or eight times and my dad's been married five times. So I just never really like sounded like a good idea to me. That's so cute. Um, <laughs> so I, it was so surprising for me. Do you want to put this down? Or, okay. Um, it was really surprising for me and I never thought that would happen. So I was just, you know, over the moon and happy and everything. And, um, my when I told my dad, he just kind of like said, "Oh, that's nice," and kind of like glazed over it. Aww. And I was like, I kind of talked about something else for a minute, and I was like, "Wait, like, I don't think that's fair, Dad. Like, 
if I got proposed to by a man, I think you'd be a lot more happy for me. And that hurts my feelings, you know? And it like, absolutely. Like, I don't really talk about my, I don't talk to my family like that. Like I wasn't really like close to my family. Like I was in the Navy for six years. I didn't call them hardly ever, like every Mm -hmm. few months or something like that. So Mm. um, that was like my way of coping. Like I had to cut everyone off so that I could just go do what I needed to do. So, um, uh, yeah, like we've all had like growth with our parents with that because it's like he realized he's like, wow, I am being a jerk, you know? And then after that, it's like, it broke a wall down for him to where like we could talk about it and he could like be happy for me and stuff like that. He could be like, see, I'm happy and supportive. Well, that's good. I'm glad that it like, yeah, that that it wasn't just like the brick wall kind of thing that he did make some kind of effort. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I also wish people would, well, I haven't personally had people ask me a ton about the sex. Uh, most of my guy friends were sort of like, Hey, living the dream up top. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, sure. I don't want that. <laughs> no, I don't have uh, time for that. <laughs> like, yes, I'm. It's I'm happy, and yes, I am living the dream. But don't be gross about it. Uh, <laughs> so don't be gross I about people, it. I wish people would ask like more normal questions, like say what you would ask your friend who is monogamous. Like, yeah. Like ask about your partner. Yeah, ask about, get to know them. Like, what what are they about, you know? And either that or ask more interesting questions. Like, how how many Spotify accounts do you guys have between you? How does that, (laughs) like, who gets to pick the movie? Like, how hard is it to pick a movie between three people? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I hope you had a question like that. I did? Yeah. The next, I didn't write them down. About heat. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So how does spooning work? Because uh, we have to, <laughs> we get warm because we're both warm people. So in the middle of the night, we'd be like, don't touch me. But like, if there's three people, that's a lot of don't touch me going. Oh so God. like, I was thinking about that. I was like, like the middle student spoon would just be cooking the whole night. Yes. You'll die of, over, of exhaustion. Spooning doesn't last very long. No. Yeah. <laughs> We all have our own bedrooms and we have yeah. our own beds. And so, so we smart. don't, we don't sleep in like, and I think that that's something that we're really fortunate to each have our own space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's something because we all sleep like Christian has a bad back. Carissa sleeps really hot and I talk <laughs> and like slap people in my sleep. Yeah. So it actually works out really well for us. Cause like Christian has a Tempur-Pedic and I have the big bed. So the dogs sleep with me a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they like go to sleep with Carissa cause Carissa goes to sleep earlier. And they come in the room in the middle of the night and they sleep with me because I've got the big bed. But like we each have our own space. So like cuddling happens, but it's not like we're forced to sleep in the bed mm-hmm. together all night. And that works for us. It's more spontaneous nice. and special. Yeah. 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 I think that the fact that it's the norm to sleep in the same bed with someone once you get married Mm -hmm. is maybe not that healthy because if you like study (laughs) about sleep 
Yeah. It is way, it's like you get better sleep when you sleep by yourself. Yeah. You know? I've, like, yeah. Damn. I've read a bunch of articles about like cishet people starting to sleep in separate beds just because they're like, there's too much snoring. There's too much, yeah. like they're too hot. Like you're, yeah. no matter how compatible you are when you're awake, sometimes when you're asleep, it just doesn't work. Well, and then you also get like your own space. Yeah. It was really hard for me to adjust to the thinking that it was okay that I slept alone mm-hmm. because. Christian, like we shared a bed before we were with Carissa and we had two dogs in the bed with us and Christian slept on the couch a lot because mm-hmm. I would toss and turn or, or it would get too hot. And it, so, it, but I think people automatically jump to, oh, you're sleep. he's on the couch or you're in separate beds. Like That's oh, there, bad. Must, there must be marital issues going on there. Yeah. You know, are you guys okay? Like, yes, I just want better sleep. Yeah, uh, and I had to come to terms with that myself, that there was no issue. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that that's how, like, because I come from a big family, and we shared beds growing up. So it was like, like, there was not a lot of, uh, there was scarcity in our house, and so we shared beds growing up, and so it's all, I've always shared a bed with somebody. So it was really hard for me to adjust to that, and now I'm, like, much better off for it, even though I don't have someone to fall asleep snuggling with every night. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter, because I have three dogs. Yeah. I, yeah, you're a better partner when you're well-rested, as it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) But with the temperature of, like, the house, that is a problem, too, because I have, like, (gasps) wavering temperatures where I'm, like, so hot, and then I'm, like, I'm so cold, because I, like, go to, like, the extreme of cooling everything off, and then I'm, like, no, no, I'm frozen. So, yeah, I kind of, like, and, and there she, we... she wants and she has to have control over all of that like she she needs to be able to make those small adjustments all day long throughout yeah. in every room in the house so we just <laughs> we just have sweaters or shorts at the ready all the time <laughs> depending on which way she's going like it's like part of my like emotional regulation or something like my i get i can't regulate my body it's weird it's hard to focus whenever your temperature's off. Yeah. 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 So they love me a lot and <laughs> I have another kind of silly question that doesn't really matter, but I'm just like super curious. But what's everybody's zodiac sign? <laughs> oh, we're all water signs. We're both Pisces. Isn't that supposed to be a terrible idea? <laughs> water yeah. signs all together? My husband's a Gemini, and I hear that's horrible for a cancer. Sun, sun signs. We're Pisces, Pisces, and uh, Scorpio. Scorpio. Mm. We're both Earth signs over here, which can get... There's a lot of stubborn in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to know, because I know, like, that's something that, like, people talk about is, like, oh, you guys, like, what's your zodiac sign? How do you match up? But, like, the idea of, like, trying to find a website where three match up all together is probably a lot more difficult. I don't think we found one yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in some astrology groups. I should ask about that. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, thank you, Hope. Get a a moon (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Personally, I feel like us being all water signs contributes to, like, how sensitive we are to each other yeah and like if one person is having a bad day the other two know before we even see the other it's like you can feel it it's yeah uh, tangible it like 
you know, say you were in a pool with two other people and, you know, somebody struggling, somebody struggling, you feel the, you feel those waves. Yeah. And that's I, a good benefit. Like, is Pisces a fixed sign? Yeah, Pisces is fixed. So we're all fixed water signs. <laughs> and that makes us, <laughs> I think that makes us, uh, all pretty stubborn. So mm -hmm. working on working through that is a can be a challenge. Rosie, we might have to do an astrology podcast because I'm like literally like holding myself back from being like, okay, so let's dive into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that that could be one where like you just talk to me about astrology because I don't know that much about it. I, I I just know that like when people would hear it was a cancer, they'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense, and then like no one would explain it to me, and I just got really sensitive about it. <laughs> Because okay. <laughs> well, water side. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. I look it up. So I'll look it up. But <laughs> what I like about astrology is that it doesn't mean anything, but it's so much fun to read. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I was reading about uh, polyamorous um, relationships and like the people in them having issues with uh, renting like like renting like some places i guess they they won't rent like you know a one bedroom to more than two people or you know if there's going to be multiple adults living in a house like you know like they want to know like okay well what's the the situation here uh have you or any people you know run into that with with like like renting or even anything else whether it's like you know like jobs and stuff like things that really actually affect you know the socioeconomic uh life we haven't really hit any of those speed bumps yet, but it is something that we talk about pretty often. The fact that we're not married to Carissa and what mm -hmm. type of rights we would have if something was to happen to Carissa, like in terms of visiting her in the hospital and things like that, mm -hmm. um, like next of kin type stuff that's assumed when you're married yeah. um, that we don't have with Carissa right now. And like, uh, it, but we haven't really run into anything yet that i can think of our our landlord's pretty cool our landlord never comes our here. landlord doesn't care about <laughs> it doesn't ask questions. he's never even like met Marin christian i was just like i have two people moving in so it's going to be two different people and two different dogs and yep. then he's like okay whatever just no, no what are their checks. names and Nothing. i told the names and he just made me a I have heard, though, from the community that generally it is harder and usually, like, one person will buy a house. Like, what I've heard, or a couple of different polycules, people that I know, they, like, will buy a house and then the, but, like, one person will have the responsibility. It is nice, or it was nice when we were all working um, <laughs> to have three incomes, and that's, like, a joke that I see a lot, like, like who wants to be polyamorous with me so that I can we can make it through the pandemic because nobody's making any money. Yeah. Monogamous in this economy. Monogamous in this economy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like I definitely use that sound point. Sound I tell true though, like it's a lot easier when there's three of us to depend on. Our bills are like we do have more bills, but it's like it's a lot it feels less insecure than how, it would with just two people you know what i mean mm -hmm. how many bathrooms do you have we have or two. Do, how many do you need <laughs> or like we, we couldn't do with less than two we couldn't do I mean, with less we, than two. we did uh 
we brooded our baby chicks. chicks in Meredith's bathroom. So we were down to one bathroom for a few Four months. months. Yeah. And that was that we we got through it. It was fine. But it wasn't two bathrooms is better <laughs> yeah oh it takes a long time to sh so what usually ends up happening with the tv when we're trying to choose something to watch is that we have shows that all of us watch together and then there's shows that like we watch as pairs oh yeah that'd be cool <laughs> i just assumed it was going to be like all three or just individually but then i didn't even think about like pairs yeah. That's every combination. Yeah. Yeah. I so so that kind of relates, and we'll we'll go right back to talking about that. But that that relates to this thing I heard on like there was one of the poly podcasts I was listening to was like that uh, relationship with three people is four relationships because it's the relationship of the three and then each two. Yeah. Yep. And I thought that was a really cool way of looking at it because that that's the holistic. Yeah. Or seven if you're counting your relationship with yourself. It, it totally yeah. plays like that too like if there's something that I gotta tell somebody I better tell everybody you know like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all gotta know and and we uh we forget who we talk to about certain things a lot too yeah, I <laughs> no yeah. I have no idea what, what you're talking, you talking about? about oh I must have told Carissa <laughs> well, we I do that calendar yes we have to use that because three people's schedules like it's a little easier now that we haven't been working, but when we were working, our all of our schedules were like it was a gridlock on the calendar. So it we need that to keep up with each other. Because sometimes you make a plan and then you like forget about it or don't think about it that day or or whatever, and and forget to say something to you know one person or both people. Well, see, that's my problem. It's because you're gridlocked into all of those orgies. You don't have time. Right? <laughs> yeah, really. It was totally full of orgies. We have three oh, dogs and, and that's four what chickens. I was going to say. Aww. I was going to say that a uh, key to a happy uh, polyamorous relationship is a dog a pee. Yeah, we each oh have God. a dog. That is really smart. Yeah, you <laughs> have to have your own dog. Yeah. I stole him. That's Let Me Kill Mister. Yeah, yeah. So if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, I got this is this is the time and then after that we can just wrap up. I would say just for your information, uh the term that there people are trying to move toward is polyam because okay. uh poly is Polynesian and so they're trying to not appropriate Polynesian. P L O Yeah, so polyam. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you were saying that the term like polyamory means like Polynesian love and I was like I'm pretty sure that's not what that means and then I got what you were saying and I was like okay I got it I'm back no, that's yeah that's good to know okay I didn't realize that that's that's good to know as well yeah I just thought I'd tell you that I have one more question in thinking about like when you guys do get married like what's the ceremony setup gonna be because I'm not assuming it's going to be, like, your run-of-the-mill, like, wedding or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, 
is it just going to be Carissa walking down to both of you or is it going to be like an all three or just like a really low key thing? I, Rosie just got married and I'm engaged now. So like <laughs> we got weddings, weddings on the brain a little bit. Yeah. yeah. On the brain. So I am, like I said, never thought I'd get married. So like, I'm like, yay, I want to have a celebration. Like I want it to be in the woods. That's like as far as I thought about it. But like now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to walk a while to both of you. That sounds good. Oh, oh, oh. You want to see a hang glider? I want to parachute in. Cool. Yeah. We should skydive into it. Yeah. Oh. You, know, you can all have your own entrances to like. <laughs> it's like a bunch of spies showing up to a meeting. Well, no, yeah. you would skydive into a um, field and then be brought by a horse drawn carriage. There we go. <laughs> it's just that easy. That's yeah. what wedding stuff is. Oh no, a pumpkin carriage. That's <laughs> like Cinderella. But I mean, we've already had a wedding. Our wedding was really low key. We got married on the beach, and yeah. there were like mm -hmm. only witnesses there, so it was really low key. But we kind of want like a bigger party, but still low key. I think that's yeah. wedding planning with three sets of in-laws instead of just like two. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of opinions. <laughs> That's a lot of opinions. Yeah, yes. And some of them would be meeting for the first time. Yeah, my yeah. dad lives in Arizona. So he hasn't even met Meredith and Christian. Yeah. So, Christian, are you from Washington? Or you're I'm originally from Florida. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, I did know that. I would have to fly my best friends in. But oh, wow. Yeah, that's really all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. yeah. It's just all of this has just it just proves that this kind of relationship takes a lot more work but that just proves how much you guys all really love and care about each other maybe more so than like just a two-person one because there's so much like emotional work that has to go into it yeah definitely not for the faint of heart and but also it feels more authentic than i've ever felt before yeah mm -hmm. like i feel more real about myself and who I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing, even though it's hard. Like there's a lot of challenges and people look at me weird and, you know, like in common conversation when I reference my husband and my wife in like the same three paragraphs, people yeah. are like, "What confusion? <laughs> Assumptions?" It's like they, yeah, they um, short circuit. It's like their brain spin, their head spins around. <laughs> yeah. Does not compute. Yes. So yeah, I can't think of anything else. Like, uh, I had one thing I wanted to say, but I can't remember now. What's the one? Piece oh, I wanted to tell you guys about um, something that I have found to be fairly common in uh, the polyamorous community is that there are, especially more queer-leaning poly like polycules. I don't know if that makes sense. Like we're yeah. relatively heteronormative. You know, like mm -hmm. with the exception of us being gay, like, you know, we appear pretty straight and uh, cisgendered and in, especially in polycules where I know people that are like trans or non-binary, um, there tend to be a lot of people in the poly community, polyamorous community that have disabilities mm -hmm. and that the disabilities and the, mm -hmm. or um, the, they need a lot of accommodations mm -hmm. and that, is 
because something that being polyamorous mm-hmm. fosters them being able to be stable and healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I've noticed, especially among my friends that are trans and non-binary, mm-hmm. which generally have a higher population of people that have health issues anyway. But mm-hmm. like I have MS, she has PTSD, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. like, like we all have issues. Yeah. And um, it's, I think that in some polyamorous relationships, there's more of a strain on people because they, there are people that take a very conscious caretaker role. But that's just a dynamic that I thought that mm-hmm. it might be interesting to you guys to explore. That's interesting. Well, I guess what I wanted to say is that, like, there is no formula mm-hmm. for relationships. And I feel like the dynamic between one to the other is going to be completely different. And I mean, like, we have a unique dynamic between us and the next polyamorous relationship is going to have a different dynamic so there's no like polyam i don't i don't think there's like it's hard to say polyamorous relationships are this way yeah Mm -hmm. or like yeah sorry i'm just saying like (laughs) it's fluid and we can like talk about it and i guess that is something that that always freaked me out about being like monogamous or like committing to someone for real um was just like that idea that like that's what it is and that's Mm -hmm. all that it is and that's how it's gonna be you know and that was I guess like partially like commitment issues but also like just like knowing like oh we can talk about this and it can change but like I mean now it's like now that I got over that hump of being worried about that (laughs) now I'm like I don't even think about it. I'm not, I'm like, uh, this is like the right decision for me. I am happy. I'm, I've supported and like more communicative and whatever, just all around in being in this relationship. So um, yeah, I just want to say that. I think it's kind of hard to gauge like what percentage of poly people behave a certain way because the demographics aren't recorded about polyamorous mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, a lot of those, a lot of that information about it isn't like there's the data isn't available. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's, but when you look at like polyamory community pages on Facebook, they're fucking huge. Like 800,000 people, mm-hmm. like big, big community groups. Like Polyland has like more than a million followers. And they have great dank memes, you know, but it's like, that's not what it's all about. Like it's, there's a lot of, there's, I just think that it's really interesting. Like thinking about like study, like this, like studying behaviors of people, like how you're talking about hope with like social work. Like there's not a lot of access to data about people that are in poly relationships because it's not something that's commonly recorded. I, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm sure there's a lot of like lack of self-reporting just because people don't want to put themselves at risk. Yeah. So totally. you can't get the demographics because, you know, even if you had a way to count people, they don't want to identify necessarily sometimes. Right. Or to even know like what the most common polycule looks like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how it operates, like everybody's different, but it would be interesting. I would be interested to know what the most common type of polycule is, you know, like I would be interested to know that, yeah. but I don't know where that data would come from. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to keep it in mind and I'll make it happen. It's going back to something uh, Meredith was saying about the, um, the, like, 
like uh, like queer and trans and people with disabilities um, in the community. And something that I had been reading about was that people who are asexual and aromantic uh, often will find more of a home um, in a polyamorous relationship rather than, you know, just being by themselves or trying to like make it work with someone that it tends to work better if you find, you know, if you're asexual, but you want the romantic feeling that they can apparently like that that's semi-common I guess is that you know aromantic or asexual people will find partners um in polyamorous uh communities so I've actually been in the last year kind of going back and forth between whether or not I define myself as being pan or demisexual which is demi is basically ace um mm -hmm. like pretty similar like it takes a really long time to develop a sexual relationship with somebody type of thing and I've had a lot of sexual abuse in my life and um, have gone through a lot of that and some of it even recently um, from the partners that I've had since I've been with Carissa and uh, not with Carissa, but like those other partners that we were talking about. And I am finding that I can follow my journey of what I need to go through in order to come to being comfortable with myself um so much more easily because even in the last couple months i'm like am i ace do i even want to have sex like is this even something i want to have part of my relationships you know and questioning that in a monogamous het cis relationship would be fucking insane mm -hmm. you know yeah. like that would be really that would break that would break it up you know what i mean mm -hmm. and sure. or be a huge mm -hmm. strain and it's totally not for me right now like that's and so i definitely am with you on that like it it has provided safety and comfort mm -hmm. for me to be able to be who I am authentically even more. That's yeah, that's great. Thank you for listening to a vague knowledge of everything. For more information on the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at vague underscore of on Instagram at VKOE underscore podcast or you can go to our website at a vague knowledge of everything.com.